on? There we go. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Am I on? Put my eyeballs on to see the thing. Oh, I'm on. Am I on? Yes, maybe. Okay, we're good. All right. Welcome those of you that are online with us. If we are online with us, are they online with us? Okay, great. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we come this evening with thanksgiving and praise. You have proven yourself to be such an awesome God. Uh, we take consideration of the world around us, and we recognize we live in a fallen world. But how beautiful, the stars at night, uh, how the systems uh, work together uh, to give life, to bring forth uh, life in the spring and to go dormant in the fall for the winter time. And Father, we thank you for uh, the system of salvation, uh, what it does to make us into new creatures, uh, whereby uh, we're, we're just amazed, Lord, because we recognize if, if it was up to us, we wouldn't get saved. And if we could get saved, we'd lose it. We recognize the great work you have done so that we might be a part of your family. And as we continue to study, we ask, Lord, that you'd open our hearts and our minds to the things that you have for us and that we would truly learn how to walk in the Spirit, that you would be honored and glorified in the way we live. We recognize we have many weaknesses, many faults, many um, areas where we easily fall into temptation and ask that you would guide and direct us and strengthen us in those areas so that our lives might not blaspheme the Word of God uh, before a lost and dying world. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for the good report that uh, Versi might be joining us again here soon. Uh, we look forward to that. We pray for this family that has uh, lost uh, a loved one. We pray, Father, that you would comfort them and give them grace at this time. And as they have opportunity to uh, have a celebration of life here, that uh, the gospel might clearly be presented in such a way that uh, for those that need you, uh, their eyes might be opened. Uh, Father, we pray for Julie. We would ask, Lord, that you would give her wisdom and grace as she deals with the things that uh, is going on in her life, uh, that her decision-making would be uh, spot on, and that uh, she would be able to deal with the things that you have in her life right now. Thank you now for this time to look at uh, your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Okay, Proverbs 23, 7 says, once I get to that page, there we go. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. Now, I was talking about the stingy man, but uh, the statement at the beginning, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he, uh, has an application to our uh, lesson tonight. Um, I felt as though this chapter had a lot of repetition, but still some good points uh, and so basically, I kind of outlined the chapter for you. Uh, so we're going to be going over that. Uh, number one, two parts of our position in Christ. Letter A, identification with his death, his life, and resurrection. Uh, God's eternal purposes is talked about. Uh, notice, salvation is not about our benefit. I was uh, on my way back from Blues Creek on Sunday morning, had uh, the 91.5, 89.3, can't remember which channel. I had it on, and I'm listening to a preacher, and, and it was a pretty good message, but uh, he, he really talked about the death of uh, Christ on the cross, and if you just believe that Jesus died for you, kind of like, it's important, but it's not about going to heaven. And there's something even more important. If all he had done was die, how are we any better than Muslims, Buddhists, etc.? All of their leaders died, but he came back to life. Okay? So uh, salvation is not about our benefit, heaven. Salvation is about God's glory. Uh, speaking of God's eternal purposes, Acts 2.23, Him, Christ, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. 
So once again, we see that this is all part of God's plan. Uh, he, he even says that Christ, the Lamb of God, which was crucified from before the foundations of the world in uh, Revelation 13, 8. So obviously part of God's eternal purpose was the death of uh, Christ on the cross. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight, a verse that we like to use a lot, and we kind of miss some of the uh, main point here. And we know that all things work uh, together for good to those who love God, to those who are uh, the called according to his purpose. So the ones that he has called for his purpose, he is working all things out for the good. We like to define that as that which I see as beneficial, and it really comes down to that which brings God glory. Okay? Uh, Romans 9.11, speaking of Esau and Jacob, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purposes of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. And so, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And oh, by the way, if you think that what he's saying there is, you know, my love for Jacob makes my love for Esau look like hate. No. Read Obadiah. Okay? He is pronouncing judgment on Edom, which is the descendants of Esau. He's going to wipe them out completely. I'm not seeing a whole lot of love there. Now, you can say, God so loved the world. I understand. I understand. Okay? But... I think when he said, Esau have I hated, he means Esau have I hated. Okay? All right. Um, 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So part of God's eternal purpose, we've got an enemy, and Christ came to ultimately destroy his work. And then Romans 17, 17, I have 16 also for you. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot and make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose. Now, ultimately, uh, the harlot is the false religion of the day, and uh, they're going to put an end to it. Why? Because God has put it in their heart to do it. That's part of his purpose, to get rid of false uh, religion. Uh, so to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. So uh, salvation is about God's glory. It is not about our benefit. So God's eternal purposes is that he is going to be glorified in everything uh, that happens. Number two, Christ's life, death, resurrection. Uh, whoop, glorify God. I, I, I messed that one up, didn't I? And makes it possible for us to be able to glorify God. Letter A, his life always pleased the Father. Now, whether you're looking at Matthew 3, 17, 12, 18, 17, 5, or 2 Peter 1, 17, which looks back to those three verses, uh, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Okay, now one of them's at the beginning of his ministry. He didn't have time to mess up. I don't know about you, but by the time I was 30, I had already messed up a lot of times. <laughs> okay? One of them is toward the end of his ministry. So in all that he had endured, he was still well-pleasing uh, to the Father. So his life always pleased the Father. Letter B, his death satisfies God's wrath, turning it from us so that we might be reconciled to him. Now, I've got two sets of verses here, uh, the first four and then the second uh, three. Uh, the first one deals with God's wrath being satisfied. The second group deal with uh, our being reconciled. So uh, Romans 3.25, whom God set forth as a propitiation, a satisfaction by his blood through faith to de demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, in his long suffering, dealing with the believers of the Old Testament up to this point, God had passed over the sins 
that were previously commended. So in order to prove his righteousness, he, he knew that what was coming was going to satisfy his wrath, so he didn't have to pour it out on them in the Old Testament there. Hebrews 2.17, Therefore in all things he had, had to be made like his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So Christ had to become like one of us, live like one of us. You sit there and say, yeah, but he's God. Yes, and he did not stop being God when he became a man. But you might remember in Philippians 2, he laid aside, okay, the kenosis. He emptied himself, it says. That's where he lays aside uh, the uh, voluntary use. He voluntarily lays aside the use of his non-communicable attributes. Uh, when I say non-communicable, those are the ones that he doesn't share with us. How many of us are uh, omniscient? Oh. Omnipresent. Be in two places at one time. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. No. He, he, so he chooses to walk as a man. Now, he's still holy, still loving. Those are communicable uh, attributes in the sense that we can walk in holiness. We have the love of God in our hearts, and therefore we can love our enemy if necessary. <laughs> Uh, when we walk in the Spirit, but he lays aside the voluntary use of his non-communicable attributes. Occasionally you'll see in the Bible, yeah, but he knew the heart of all men. Okay, I can tell you a lot about the heart of all men. You want to know why? Because the Bible tells us about the heart of all men. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, God, search the heart. He's the one that can know it. And what else has he revealed about us? Let me see. Dirty, rotten scum of your sinner just kind of gets started. Okay? And that's before salvation. After salvation, without him, we still got the law of sin in our members. We're totally capable of whatever. Now, Lord willing, we're not going to do that, but uh, there you go. Okay, the next verse here. 1 John 2.2. And he himself is the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And 4.10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So uh, his death satisfies God's wrath, turning it from us so that we might be reconciled to God. Uh, uh, Romans 5.10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. 2 Corinthians 5.18, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, Colossians 1.21, and you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. So letter C, his resurrection justifies, the definition is we are declared righteous, okay? So he declares us righteous, justifies the believer before God, crea creating us as new creatures that we might live unto God. Romans 3.24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 4.5, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Verse 25, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Now, I, I really like Romans 4.25 because we see in Romans two reasons given as to why Christ had to rise again. In Romans 1.4, he is declared to be the Son of God with power through the resurrection of the dead. Okay? So it proves that he is God. And second of all, right here, it says he's delivered up for our transgressions. So he died to pay for our sins. That's not good enough to get you to heaven. He was raised again for our justification. Ah, 
Now righteousness is imputed to your account when you believe, and you are good enough to be in God's presence. Uh, now he's going to be working on the stuff that's still around, but when you see him, you're going to be like him. Okay? So um, 5 9, Romans 5 9. I think I already read that one. Yeah, I did earlier. But uh, 8.30, moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Verse 33 of chapter 8. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Now, I don't know about you, but when you're younger in the Lord and you kind of blow it, you fall on your face, the devil comes along and he just kind of puts you in your place. You really blew it. And you're sitting there going, yeah, I did. And it's terrible. And what am I going to do? And we think that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of like, nope, that's the accuser. Okay. And it says here, it's God who justifies who's going to bring the charge. Well, someone does bring the charge, but Jesus sits there as our lawyer and says, yeah, I died for that one too. So none of the charges stick because the judge is a righteous judge. Titus 3, 7. And having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So his resurrection justifies the believer before God, creating us as new creatures that we might live unto God. And of course, the new creature and the living unto God is what this whole book is all about. Uh, so I didn't feel as though I needed to cover all that again. So letter B, our position above. This is our identification with his exaltation. You know, it's one thing to be identified with his uh, life, his death, burial, resurrection, hallelujah, uh, things are good between me and God. But what about his exaltation? This is where he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Well, notice his position, the right hand of God's throne, Ephesians 1.20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So in heaven, Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, the right hand was a place of honor. The reason was, is as a person, uh, a right-handed person, uh, we're going through Leviticus right now in our chronological reading of the Scripture, and we're noticing that uh, when everyone was anointed or they were cleansed from leprosy or whatever the case was, uh, God had them uh, uh, rub a little bit of blood on the right earlobe, on the right thumb, and on the right big toe. And my wife goes, what if they're left-handed? <laughs> well, the right is the common, right? And if you're not right, you're wrong, right? That's what I told her. I, I'm not sure that it worked for the left-handed people. But, you know, the ear represents the listening to God. The hand, the thumb being the major, uh, Daniel just had surgery a couple weeks ago. Uh, they reconnected one of the ligaments in here. He had uh, slid into base, face first, and the base caught that thumb and just yanked it right back, disconnected one of the tendons. So they, for the last several months, he can't squeeze, can't hold a pair of pliers. Uh, so they reconnected it, and he just got the little bit line there, but, you know, hopefully it'll all work. But the thumb's going to represent the hand. The hand is going to represent the service that one does for God. What about the big toe? Well, that's going to represent the foot. The foot is all about walking. And when you look at the Bible, walking, you're either walking in the light or you're walking in the darkness. And so this person that was anointed, they were going to walk, serve, and listen to God. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So Christ is seated at the right hand. Again, place of honor. Why? Because if the guy on the right hand can't be trusted, you've got to reach across here leaving all of this open for him to get his sword out and go. <laughs> so you want someone there you can trust because all you got to do is pull that thing out and stab. You've got to pull yours out and parry. And, you know, just that guy better be trustworthy. Well, of course, the son is trustworthy. He's been seated at the right hand of the father. Romans 8, I mean, Hebrews 8, 1. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. 
Now, one, because of his work, he's been given a place of honor. The other one, he's the high priest. So he forever makes intercession on our behalf. He understands all we've gone through because he's been made like us, etc. So a uh, great high priest. And then we talk about our position. Letter A, blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3. Ooh, I didn't get that one. Shame on me. Let me uh, look it up real quick here because it's important. <laughs> Okay, Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read a verse like that, I sit there and say, I'm really blessed with every spiritual blessing. What on earth does that mean? I, I hope you're asking that question because it seems as though we have it all and we're going, what do we got? Because I'm worried about paying this bill or that bill or whether or not my kid turns out the way I think they ought to or, or, or. And God's sitting there saying, I have given you everything that you need for life and godliness. Learn to walk with me. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Okay. Uh, letter B, we're raised up together and made, he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2, 6, which basically says exactly that. And then uh, letter C, we are hidden with Christ in God, Colossians 3, 3, for you died. Now that's, that's Romans 6, okay? You died with Christ. You were buried with Christ. You were raised again with Christ to walk in newness of life. Uh, Colossians 3, 3, for you died and your life, the life that you now have, is hidden with Christ in God. Anybody know where that is? See, going back two weeks when we talked about once saved, always saved, the always saved is not the issue, okay? God has done so much for the saved that if they're saved, there's no way. I mean, you got to go find yourself uh, with Christ in God. Yeah, I know God's in heaven, but how are you getting there? Well, Metro, doesn't it stop there? on its way out to the base? No. <laughs> okay, there's so much you got to do. You are hidden with Christ in God. I talk about security. Okay, so that's our position. So letter C, position unknown. Now this is basically dealing with the process whereby one comes to know and understand uh, their position in Christ. First of all, number one, serves out of gratitude, not sufficient for the difficulties that one faces from his enemies. Uh, uh, how many of you, when you got saved, you're kind of excited about the whole thing? Okay, I mean, I, I had my Bible and my Bible dictionary. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark had come out. I had gone and seen that and saw the Ark, and I get start looking it up in the Bible and start looking it up in the uh, Bible dictionary. And I'm doing all kinds of research, and I, I, it was it was great. I was so thankful to be born again, a new creature in Christ, no condemnation, and then life happened. Um. I almost flunked out of school because I was witnessing the guys in the uh, cafeteria instead of going to classes and, you know, things like that. Uh, got kicked out of a house because uh, I wasn't paying the rent and uh, <laughs> just lots of things. And then sometimes as I grew a little bit older in the Lord and uh, it was the way Christians acted towards me at times, all kinds of difficulties that Gratitude about my salvation? Yeah, I was still thankful. A little bitter here and there, you know, <laughs> uh, because well, people can be a pain. And then you get into the ministry. Can I tell you, it doesn't stop there? <laughs> oh, the pastor. No, that's not the way it works. <laughs> uh, the things that we hear, the things that we deal with as pastors in the ministry, if you're involved in any kind of a discipleship relationship, uh, you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, people know how to mess up their lives. Even pastors know how to mess up their lives. Okay? Uh, I'm not saying that from the perspective of, I got it together and they don't. No, there's just all kinds of things that go on that gratitude for being saved 
you, you just want to give up sometimes. Um, Charles Spurgeon, I think he called it the fits of the pastor, uh, dealing with people in the ministry that every now and again, you just want to give up. <laughs> okay, so gratitude won't get you through all that. Uh, number two, uh, this person serves with a little bit of a better understanding of their position in Christ. Uh, one, one of the things that when I got saved, I went to a Baptist church in Clinton, Connecticut, and uh, Sunday school time, the pastor met with all the new believers. And he went through uh, basically a doctrinal class, but at the same time gave you some very practical homework assignments. Uh, here, take this penny, go home, and write a list of as many observations as you can come up with. And, of course, the procrastinators had five or six. People came in with lists of 50 and 75 things that they observed about this penny. Now, what was the purpose of that? When you're reading the Bible, you're attentive. What are the pronouns? Not in a woke sense, but who's on this trip? You read through the book of Acts. Sometimes Luke is with Paul, and he says, we. And sometimes he, they. Well, Luke obviously wasn't there, but he knew about it. So he writes about it, uh, things like that. But uh, so uh, someone may come to Christ, they're, they're thankful, but they have someone building into their life so they have a better understanding of their position in Christ. But results in failure due to the self-effort to live according to those truths. I remember a young man that got saved here years ago. And uh, he did, he was real good for a while with the gratitude type thing. And then after a while, you know, he, he's seeing what the word of God says and looking out at all the Christians and saying, well, they're not doing that. And he got all turned around and walked away from the Lord for a little while. Um, Lord, of course, got a hold of him in time, had to go through the trials of life or the rebukes of life, as Proverbs uh, 15, 1, I think, says, and uh, kind of got his attention again. But uh, even if you understand some things, very often you think you're going to live uh, the way God wants you to live. Had a Sunday school this past week, Blues Creek, dealing with the fruit of the Spirit. You know, when it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and all that kind of stuff, a lot of young Christians try and be loving. I will have peace. I will have peace. I don't know if you guys have seen uh, the um, Kung Fu Panda, but in the second one, uh, the sensei is, I will have peace, oh, peace, peace. You know, he's standing there in a yoga pose and trying to, but he's really agitated because the bad guy is going to get loose and uh, that kind of thing. And uh, later on, he teaches how, uh, the panda how to have that peace where in the third one, or maybe it's the second one, I, I don't remember, but he ends up catching cannonballs, spinning them around and sh throwing them back at the other ships. And it's kind of cool. Uh, you got to enjoy that kind of stuff. As a grandparent, you know, you got to watch that kind of stuff. <laughs> but uh, uh, the reality is, is peace is that which the spirit bears in a person's heart and mind as they're walking in submission to them. Uh, love, sometimes people are difficult to love. Yeah, in the Spirit's power, I can do that. Now remember, uh, the context of the walking in the Spirit, I mean of uh, the fruit of the Spirit, is walking in the Spirit, where you're overcoming the flesh, because these two are opposed to one another, and if you're not walking in the Spirit, the, the flesh is all you got. And then it talks about the works of the flesh. And if you look at that list real careful, you'll see some of that stuff in the church. Why? Because at times we're fleshly. And then it says, now, you want to know what it looks like when you're walking in the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, so you need more than just self-effort to uh, and a, a little bit of an understanding. And then Romans, uh, number three, Romans doesn't reveal concepts of growth until the concepts of righteousness is settled. In uh, uh, Romans uh, 1, 1 through 5, 11, it presents the remedy for the penalty of sin. The blood secures forgiveness. In chapters 6 through 8, it presents the remedy for the power of sin, the cross secures deliverance. Let me read a couple of verses for you. Uh, 5.11, 
Romans 5.11. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. And verses 17 and 18, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one. Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification. So chapters one through five deals with the penalty of sin. It shows shows you how it's been dealt with. And then uh, in 6 through 8, it actually starts talking about uh, spiritual growth. Uh, John 10.10 The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they might have life. A lot of Christians stop there. They're saved. They're going to heaven. Good enough. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Let me see. What does that look like? Ephesians 5.18 Don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Here's what it looks like. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, I know why it says in your heart. Some of you can't sing very well. (laughs) But the whole point of that is there's joy. It's just kind of bubbling out. You know, like uh, John chapter 4, you know, uh, anyone who drinks from this well, they're going to be thirsty again. But if they drink of the water that I'm going to give to them, it's going to be like a spring, a springing up from within. And that's the abundant life. Yes, there's giving thanks always for all things, and there's submitting yourselves one to another, and it goes through what that looks like in all these different relationships. But that's the abundant life that God, that Jesus came that we could have. And we settle for, oh man, when I die, I get to go to heaven. But someone does something to cross you before you're dead. What on earth? And they're going to get to Well, maybe. It depends. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we, we get all caught up with what's going on here instead of understanding, hey, in my position, I have abundant life. Yeah, th- this, is, this is a hassle. Uh, just had trans- uh, the transmission uh, changed in my truck. Wasn't looking forward to that. <laughs> I knew it was a possibility, but I wasn't looking forward to it. And as soon as I get it done, the water heater's leaking in the basement. And then I've got a tooth back here that they've said, it's got a crack right down the middle. We're going to have to take out that filling and see if the tooth can be saved. If not, then you'll need a crown or maybe worse. No, I don't even talk like that. (laughs) And then on top of that, my wife talks me into going for a walk last night. Don't listen to your wife when she wants to go for a walk. My heel this morning, I got out of bed. Okay, I'm I'm falling apart. (laughs) So I've got a foot doctor appointment on Monday. You know, so... Yeah, it was because someone canceled. I, I, I said, well, if you're anything like the dermatologist, I'll get an appointment in August. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, life happens. And if we're looking at what's going on in life instead of what Christ has done and enabled us to do, we're going to get all caught up in that and who? But walk in the Spirit. Joy, love, peace. It'll get taken care of. God's good. It's his truck. He had to pay for it. (laughs) Okay. So uh, notice uh, letter D, position appreciated. The process of being made aware of self's bankruptcy. Now, we've gone through Romans chapter 7, uh, verses 15 to 25. You really could have stopped at 24, but 25 is a conclusion that's a, a good statement. But... Most of us understand what it means to live in Romans chapter 7. Things we want to do, we don't do. 
things we know. This is how God would have us respond to our wives. Because once, once in a while, they can be a pain, you know? Or our husbands. Once in a while, they can be a pain. <laughs> uh, just for Julie and, you know, for the ladies here. Um, uh, you know, how we deal with our kids. Here's what I know I should do. And then they go and act that way. And, oh, I just want to knock them into the second Tuesday of next week, you know? Um, well, you know, that's how bad you really want to get them. Uh, whole point being is we sometimes know what we're supposed to do, and we don't do it. Things that we know we shouldn't do, man, we're habituated to doing that stuff. And we keep on going through it over and over and over and over again. And we sit there and say, man, I should be further along in my walk than I am. It's kind of like, okay, wait a minute, think about that for a minute. When did God lose control of you? What would it have take, taken to get you further along? Well, you know, more Bible study, memorization of Scripture, read through the Bible a little bit more. Um, and did you do that? No. So why should you be further along? Well, I've had enough years. Kind of like, <laughs> boy, if that's all it took, years. Uh, Pastor, how, how many years you've been saved? He's so old, he doesn't even remember. <laughs> Last, century. Last century. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> you know, I've been saved for uh, going on 43 years this year. And if it was just a matter of time and you just naturally mature, wouldn't that be nice? The older you got, the better you get. Uh we know people that we've demonstrated in our own lives at times that we're not as mature as we'd like people to think. Okay? So it's not a matter of time. It's a matter of diligence, prayer, Bible study, things like that. And if we haven't done it, why should we be further along? Now, do you want to be further along? Then what habits do you need to change so that you can be the next time you look? You got to be doing all the things that you don't naturally do. Things to think about there. But Romans uh, 7 25, the whole purpose of Romans 7 is to let you know you can't do it. How does he end the chapter? Oh, wretched man that I am. So then, with my mind, I'll serve the law of Christ. And with my flesh, the law of sin. Now, I don't know if you understand it, but he basically recognizes as long as I'm in this body, I am going to fail. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because from the time I entered into Bible college, what, four months after I was saved, through my Bible college years and into the ministry, a lot of the messages I heard were talking about the victory in Jesus, and you just got to get that victory. And it's kind of like, you can learn to walk with him and you'll experience the victory. But there's still a law of sin in this body that until you see him, this is going to be a battle. And that's why Romans 8 is so important, starting out with there's no condemnation. Now let's get on the spirit, okay? All right, uh, backside of the paper there. Letter A, a say, uh, the Savior dealt with symptoms and the disease. So he dealt with the root and the fruit. Uh, the fruit was sin. The root was a sinful heart, a deceitful heart, desperately wicked. And he dealt with both of those. How? When you got saved, you died to the old. And according to the new covenant, you were given a new heart with a new spirit, uh, the law of God written on that heart. And then you were given his spirit on top of that to empower this one to do what you ought to do. Okay, so he dealt with both the root and the fruit, letter B. He's a substitute for our sins, so identification with his death for our sinful self. Uh, when, when temptation arises, remember uh, James chapter 1, uh, verse 13, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. God can't be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. So that's the law of sin in him. He's drawn away. He's seduced by what he wants. And there, boom, he falls on his face. So uh, 
when we start to recognize, look, I died with Christ. That's not my master anymore. I was buried with Christ. I rose again with Christ. And now I have a new master. And the whole purpose of this new me is to live unto God. So identification with his death for our sinful self. Number two, God uses people and circumstances as trials to reveal to us the bankruptcy of the self-life. Was that? Don't he? Yeah, don't he? Exactly. Uh, you know, even Romans eight twenty eight. If you think about the context of Romans eight twenty eight, uh, all things work together for the good. He's dealing with putting off the deeds of the flesh by the power of the Spirit and putting on the new man. Uh, that's all. All things. All the trials of chapter seven. Uh, the truths of chapter eight. Those all things work together for God's glory for your good, that kind of a thing, um, because uh, God's using those trials. He's showing you, you can't do it. Now, what we've to, done to circumvent that is some churches have come up with a variety of rules that if you follow these rules, then you're going to be okay. And those rules are normally based on biblical principles. But then what do we do? We start looking around at everybody else and seeing how they're not following the rules. And when we don't follow the rules, there's a reason. If it wasn't for, you know what I mean? We start looking at, or try to be justified by the works of the rules or the law, the law that we made up, because God didn't say you had to do all that stuff, instead of learning to walk in the Spirit. We think that there's still something within us that we can do it. No, we can't. And that's the purpose of the trials and the circumstances and the people to show you, 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 don't got, you don't got it in you. Number three, when the self-life is revealed. So again, if, if you go through all those trials and figure out you can't do it, you, you've, it's been revealed to you that the self-life is there. Then the believer is open to the truths of the Christian life. Now, um, some of you may be less hard-headed or hard-hearted than I have shown myself to be in the past. My wife and I got to go to Brazil as church planners. We were supposed to go down and work with young people. They put us in a uh, bairro or a neighborhood that had no young people. <laughs> well, there were young people there, but none in the church. Uh, makes you kind of wonder. Uh, but here we are. We've been in ministry for a period of time. We're down in Brazil serving as missionaries. And um, it took the difficulties of being totally out of your element to bring us both to the place where, oh God, you got to change me. And in so doing, ends up saving our marriage. Now, I have no idea how it would have gone if he hadn't have brought us to that conclusion where it's not her that needs to change, it's me that needs to change, it's not him that needs to change, it's me that needs to change. But he, he kind of got both of us about the same time. I like to tell people he got me first and then she started changing, but I don't know what was going on in her heart. She may have already submitted herself and that's why he kind of cleared my ears or whatever the case may be. But uh, whole point being is when you recognize I can't do it anymore, that's when you're ready to learn how to walk in the spirit, if you will or walk according to who you are. Uh, letter A, the Holy Spirit determines when a person understands and is ready for the next step. Have you ever prayed the prayer uh, during all those trials? Lord, you really gotta, I I'm ready. Go ahead and teach it to me because I really need help here. And nothing happens. Because, oh no, you're not. You're being like Pharaoh, you know, Kind of like, okay, just tell him to make the frogs go away and you can go. And as soon as the frogs are gone, it's kind of like, where do you think you're going? You get back over here. Yeah, that self just rises right back up. So the Holy Spirit is the one that determines, okay, he's finally reached the point where he's ready to listen. Okay? Uh, letter B, even when one understands, they take their lifetime to learn how it applies in everyday life. If it just came down to understanding, Pastor and I would almost be perfect. <laughs> Pastor's going, huh? <laughs> uh, my, my point being is, if it's just a matter of intelligence, 
getting all of the right facts in the right order. I mean, what do we do for a living? We study all the facts. And the more we study the facts, you know what? The more we realize how much we don't know. <laughs> but uh, it's not a matter of just learning the facts. It's a matter of, okay, now I, I'm understanding some of the truths here, and I'm learning how to submit myself to the Spirit here. Uh, that was a little bit of flesh there. Okay, Lord, I blew it again. <laughs> and you get back on the stick and things like that. And that's until you meet Jesus. Okay? Uh, now, there are those who believe in sinless perfection. It normally happens around age 40. Pastor and I are examples that that is not true. And you can sit there and say, well, that's because of the hardness of your heart. Well, then Rich is an example of it's not true. <laughs> Whole point being is when we see him, we're going to be like him. Until then, this is a battle that goes on. And it's okay. God loves us in the midst of the battle. And he's right there to help us when we're ready to listen and submit ourselves to him. Okay, letter E, position accepted. Through the work of Christ, God sees us as, Ephesians 1, 6, accepted in Christ. Now, how does God look at Jesus? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We get saved. Our sins are imputed to him. And then when we trust Christ, his righteousness is imputed to us. And Ephesians 1, 6 says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, whereby he has made us accepted, well-pleasing in Christ. Cool. What about when you've had a bad day? Remember, this is all about position, not condition. Because you're in Christ, you're well-pleasing to God. Does he not see where you've blown it? Sure he does. And he's going to discipline you. And when I say discipline, I'm not talking about beating you to death. I'm talking about he's going to learn you. Okay? All right. And then, of course, in Colossians 2.9, through the work of Christ, God sees us as complete in Christ. Um, what is it? Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack, want, be without something that I need. Uh, or as um, James says, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect lacking nothing. And the idea is mature, that God's filled in the blanks, because we all got a lot of blanks. <laughs> okay? So uh, we're complete in Christ. Number two, when we abide in, abide means to remain, if you will, reckon to be true, the positional truths. When we abide in the positional truths, we're accepted uh, in Christ. Um, Colossians 1, 3, oh, 3, 1 to 3 says, let me look it up here. There it is. If then you were raised with Christ, if, you, if you're saved, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with God, Christ in God. So when we're uh, abiding in those positional truths, we find, number one, rest. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, this is the second part of Christ's invitation. The first part is, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. That's the life. Here's the abundant life. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Hebrews 4.1, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Verse 3, For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And then Hebrews 4.9-11, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has all, uh, himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So when we're abiding in our positional truths, 
we find rest. We also have fellowship. John 17, 21, Jesus' high priestly prayer, he says, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Imagine that. The concept of the people across the street, the people down the road in the Nazarene church, the people around the corner here in Christ church, all of the believers were all members of one body. And our first tendency is to get caught up in our differences. And there are some differences. If they all did it like us, they'd be right. Yeah, Don't, we get it all perfectly, right? <laughs> uh, but he's saying, look, this is my prayer, that they would all be one. So we get together around the things that are important and true. On those things that we might have our little disagreements, we actually kind of joke about from time to time. Uh, that's okay. It's okay. First uh, Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And then 1 John 1, 3, That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't know about you, but we, we talk about a relationship with God, and then we have a tendency to think that that relationship is, well, he's there if I need him, and I've got to do my due diligence to do the church thing on Sunday morning. Otherwise, you know, and, and hopefully have some devotions a little bit here and there. Relationship. I think of relationship with my wife. Yeah, I got to show up from time to time and talk to her, you know, and uh, if that's my relationship, boy, we got some issues. Okay? When I think of relationship, I can talk to my wife about the funny things. I can talk to my wife about the serious things. Uh, we can pray together. We have uh, intimacy here. We're more public there. All realms. So much more than doing the church thing once in a while. Okay? But we have fellowship with Him. And then, of course, uh, when we abide in the positional truths, we find growth. Ephesians 4.15, But speaking the truth in love that uh, may grow up in all things in, uh, into him who is the head, Christ. 1 Peter 2.2, 2, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Uh, we talked earlier about when we were first saved, we were kind of excited, uh, spending time in the Bible, reading it. And, you know, uh, now I've read the Bible cover to cover. I don't know how many times. It's the same old, same old. Uh, we put out the cards here for people to read through the Bible. And I used to put out uh, 45. I probably ought to put out about 15. Now, some people are doing other things. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not complaining about what people are doing. But how many reading the Bible as a kind of a daily habit or even a few times a week is not a developed habit. Uh, I'm starting a series on parenting this next week in Proverbs. And, you know, I'm not saying I did it all right, because believe me, I didn't. But trying to help our kids understand this concept of relationship with God not just knowing this is wise and this is foolish, do the wise thing, you'll be okay. No, 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 no. Okay? Helping them develop that relationship with God so when they go to college, if they go to college, they don't get, you know, led astray because they're in a relationship, not just a, well, I'm a Christian, you know, I'm going to heaven when I die, that kind of thing. So growth, uh, we ought to be... Uh, like newborn babes, desiring the pure milk of that word. And then 2 Peter 3, 8, uh, 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Uh, again, it seems to be a command here. It's not just passively grow. It's do something about growing. Okay? All right. 
Like I said, this was a, a lot of repetition of uh, things that we had seen in previous lessons, but it is a it is a mindset. It's a way of thinking. It's continually remembering these things, understanding your position, and then when those temptations come along, you can either give in to them or you can, whoa, restate truth and then look to God for grace to get through that thing. Uh, so any questions or thoughts? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Think biblically. See how things change. Excellent. Clear as mud, right? <laughs> Let's go ahead and take a few moments in prayer. Uh, Julie needs wisdom, uh, grace for some decisions that she's going to be making. Um, pastor is going to be dealing with a family, a celebration of life. That family may or may not, you know, different members uh, may not know Christ. Uh, they get to talk about Jesus. Um, uh, Versi, praise the Lord. She's hopefully coming back to church here soon. Any other prayer requests? Excellent. Anybody can pray, male or female. And when it kind of quiets down, I'll close this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, I give you thanks for each and every person here tonight. Give our pastor wisdom as he deals with this upcoming celebration of life. I don't know these people, but I know this church, and it will be a, it will be a wonderful experience for this family. Pray for Julie and the wisdom that she seeks. I know she will diligently seek that. She will open her eyes, her ears, and her heart to the words of Lord Jesus. I thank you for Brother Doug and the love and the kindness and the tenderness that I see him display towards his children. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, thank you for Pat. I know she still still may be suffering from, from some leftover things with this uh, illness that she suffered last week. But I know she relied on your word and your wisdom and your kindness and love. And I know you gave her rest and peace and comfort. Thank you for returning Brother Gordon as he dealt with this COVID issue. I know he's a strong man in your word, and I know he leaned on you heavily. He shows that each and every time I talk and, talk and interact with him. We pray for our sister Mercy. She, with the Lord's help, in excellent care from her doctors, and can't have conquered cancer. What a hallelujah statement that is. This dear, precious, tender little woman, hopefully will be able to rejoin us soon. I want to thank you for uh, allowing my daughter Julie, she is still on the list to receive a kidney transplant. But she handles it very well for a young person. She really shouldn't be made to suffer like that, but we know there's a greater purpose going on there. Lord, just give her a kidney so that she can reserve or resume the life that you've had planned for her. Not that this isn't, but we know that your will will be done and not ours. Lord, we thank you for that. Take care of our pastor Al with his feet and his knees. I know how uncomfortable that is. It's agonizing. When you take for granted your natural good health and you lose the ability to walk or stand or sit comfortably, you understand a little bit about the discomfort other people who have a far greater injury must live with every day. Mm -hmm. So Lord, we, we, we ask you to heal that pastor, make him whole again. And Lord, uh, we just want to thank you for everything because you give us everything, life, breath, and all the goodness 
that your heart desires. Even though we don't deserve it, you give it to us. Lord, we thank you for that. So Lord, I just want to give you honor and praise and glory in sweet Jesus' name. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us, Father. We're just so thankful that we're here tonight to, uh, to hear your word, to praise, worship, pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Uh, thank you for uh, Awana and the things that are happening there. Uh, thank you, Father, for, uh, for the prayers that have already been lifted up to you. And Lord, I just also want to just thank you and praise you for our sister Mercy and uh, the Lord that uh, maybe soon we'll be able to see her and I do also ask that you uh, grant Julie the, the wisdom that she's seeking from you and thank you Father for those that are here tonight and that we can uh, be together and I just give you praise for it all in Christ's name. Jesus Christ, Son of God, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for the beautiful weather. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love, your salvation, your truth, and your word, Lord. Father, we pray for Julie to have the wisdom that she desires. Father, we also pray for Richard's daughter, Julie, Lord, that you would, uh, you are the creator and the healer of all things, Father. And we pray that you would just Bring a healing upon her, Lord, when she doesn't even need the kidney, Father, for your glory, God, that your, that your glory be revealed, that you are, you are in control. Father, we pray that the strength, and, you know, the strength and support of our pastors, that you encourage them, Lord, and give them the strength to keep spreading your truth, Father. We pray, Father, for your mercy on this nation, Lord, as we keep, as, as, your, as your truth is being exposed every day. Pray for those children that were being trapped, Father, that you will protect them, Lord, and give them hope for a better tomorrow and give them peace, Father. We thank you for all your answered prayers, Lord. We also pray for those with financial difficulty, Lord, that you will you will find a way to to to, to make it, make their bring your financial situations in order, Lord. Pray for those traveling, that your traveling mercies will be, be upon the Lord to open the highways and the byways and bring those to and fro safely. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord Jesus. We come this evening with thanksgiving and praise. The work that you have done so that we might have a relationship with you. It is hard to imagine not only what you went through, but the plan of God in eternity past included every bit of it. Knowing all that you know about us, all of our weaknesses, all of our failings, all of our running to sin, not just failing at it, but jumping on it with all of our vim and vigor, and yet still in your mercy, providing a way that we might be saved, opening our eyes to truth when we would not seek you, when we were your enemies, and then hiding us in Christ so that regardless of what the enemy may do, no one is plucked out of your hand. Father, we thank you for the hope of eternal life, not in the sense of someday we get to go to heaven, but we are assured as we walk with you that not only are someday we get to go to heaven, we get to rule and reign with him, but we also understand that your hand is upon everything that goes on in our lives the good, the bad, and the ugly. We recognize, Lord, that you have not given us according to our sins, but you've been very, very gracious. And when bad things happen, even then, you are still in control. You still have authority and power, and 
uh, your purpose is to make us more like you. So in all of that, we submit ourselves to you once again and ask, Lord, that you would guide and direct us, give us wisdom, understanding, that we may stand on truth and not only demonstrate love to you, but to those around us, that you might be glorified. Father, we think of your church so affected by cultural understandings and unfortunately in some ways so ignorant of what your word teaches. Even those of us that study it, there's so much there that we're not always aware of. We ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our hearts, give us grace to see, understand, that we might walk in the fear of the Lord, that truly your church would be fortified spiritually in such a way that the world would recognize the difference. We, we recognize now that they don't like the difference. They would like to get rid of so many because of that difference. But we also know that in so many ways, Lord, as a, uh, we, we, your children, uh, fail in demonstrating the love of Christ around us all the time. So we ask that you would strengthen the church to do exactly that. And Lord, that you might use us to bring others to the knowledge of Christ. Do pray for the various requests that have been uh, made plain tonight. And ask, Lord, that you would work each one according to your purpose, according to your will. In the meantime, Lord, that you would give each of us grace to um, walk in the power of the Spirit, so that regardless of how things go, you might be praised by us. We ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All righty. Well, have a good God-honoring week. Lord willing, see you uh, Saturday morning for the men's prayer breakfast. Except for you ladies, you'll have to come another time. <laughs> and then Sunday morning, Lord willing.